You're listening to Panthers on Tap. I'm Curtis Round, joined by Bryson Carbley. We're just two fans sharing our love for the game and Carolina Panthers football. So join us, crack open a cold one, some bubbly, a little wine, some scotch. We don't care, whatever makes you sleep better at night. Before we dive into the episode, a little self-promotion. Stop what you're doing. Go give us a follow on Twitter at Panthers on Tap. Join the discussion on our Facebook group. We have over 2,500 members. You can listen to us wherever you get your podcast. Just search Panthers on Tap. We took the week off last week, but we're back. We're recharged three weeks away from the NFL draft. Bryson, are you counting down the days yet? I am. I am, man. Uh, it feels like it's coming so fast, and I'm excited for it. Uh, just in, It feels like in a matter of hours that it'll be the NFL draft and the Panthers will be on the clock. So I'm excited and uh, really excited to just talk about um, you know some p- potential uh, options for Carolina. Yeah, I made a I made a like a you know those Christmas little chains where you pull them off each day. I did that <laughs> even. I went that far. No, oh I just fuck, I just fucking with you. But um, <laughs> coming up, we got uh, Bryce and I are going to talk about the top prospects um, along what we view for the offensive line in this draft. Some of the top prospects and who to look out for. So stick around for that. But first, let's get into this because while we are away, I got to give us a little credit here. Sam Darnold was in the news, and if you haven't seen it, he was trending. He was trending on Twitter. And it it really was because the Bustin' with the Boys interview with Taylor Lowen um, from the Titans. But, um, you know, I was – it was a Wednesday night. I was – we were we were heading – I don't know where the hell we were headed, but I was listening into this podcast because I saw Sam Darnold. I, I listened, tried to listen to the majority of the interview, and Sam Darnold said, and I'm, I'll, I'll tell you, this was his quote. He said he was asked if how he would feel if the Panthers drafted a quarterback at its six, and he said, whatever happens, happens. I know I'm a good quarterback. I've proved it. I know there's a team if that something happens would want me. And when I heard that the first time, I'm like, holy shit, that's the soundbite of the interview. So um, screen recorded, sent it out on Twitter, gave Bus with the boys credit. I, they deserve it all. They're the ones who did the interview. Uh, and it was one hell of an interview. It was the most candid I've ever seen Sam Darnold ever in front of a camera. And I was shocked when he, when he, what he said. I just want to get your thoughts on it, Bryson. And we'll start with this. And I, th- I think we know the answer, but is Sam Darnold a good quarterback? <laughs> First of all, he didn't even use the right grammar uh, when he when he said that. It's I've proven it, not I've proved it. He sounds like a complete fucking idiot. Um, but no, he hasn't proven anything. Uh, you know, he, he has had decent games here and there. Like you, you can't deny that, like to start the season, the first three games he had with the Carolina Panthers were, were decent, but he hasn't proven that he is a legit starting quarterback in this league by any means, by anybody's measure, by, by any, you know, logical reasoning. Um, I think Sam Darnold could be a good backup quarterback, uh, to come in and spot fill for when your starter goes out, but. He hasn't proved anything, um, and I think the only thing that he's proved for Carolina is that they need to continue looking for a quarterback. And I and I obviously that's how they feel. You know, Fitter has mentioned on multiple occasions that they're going to add to this quarterback room. Um, it's just a matter of when. 
for Carolina and through the draft or free agency. So um, it was a good interview and props to you for, for getting that out there and, um, and sharing it with everybody through our uh, Twitter and uh, man, he, he was candid and uh, you know, I, he's, he's handling it well, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. Best he, he can. Yeah. He, he's not, you know, a, a drama queen and uh, like the Baker Mayfield quarterback, which is a whole nother story, but uh, I think he's, he's handling it the best that he can. Uh, and he still has a lot to prove, mm-hmm. you know, and, and he's been in the league for what, this is going to be his fifth year. So he's, he's been a starting quarterback for four years and he hasn't proved anything. Mm-hmm. No, I totally agree. I will give him credit. I don't, I don't knock his answer. I would have said the same damn thing. I mean, the guy ain't going to go up there and say I'm a shitty quarterback. Um, by no means, um, maybe a little bit different word choice, but I don't knock them for it. I, I do think it's funny. I thought it was alarming. That's why I put it out there. I knew it would get people talking, uh, right. When he said, I proved it. I was like, uh, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, I don't even need to go through You went through it all. He, I mean, nine touchdowns, 13 interceptions last year. You didn't prove shit. So, um, yeah, I thought it was a really good interview. It was good to see Sam not so vanilla and no, I mean, he never gives answers in press conferences with what's hats off to him. I mean, that's probably what teams want, but I mean, as like the coaches and the organization, just keep it even keel. Uh, but he, you know, he was saying, he talked about Cam Newton. He said he was a great leader in the locker room when he came in he thought he was a great guy. He's a typical guy comes in, does his work. He ain't as what we all see. Um, in front of the camera with Cam. So that was, I mean, he had a lot of good stuff in there. Uh, but I did want to ask you, Bryson, because I have a couple teams in mind, but he said well, another. Uh, he said a lot in that one statement. And he said, if something were to happen, he's, he believes there's a team out there that wants him. Do you, what are your guesses on this team that he believes would want to go and trade for him? Well, I think he was speaking in general, just, you know, he, he believes that a team would want him. Uh, I, I don't know if he's really saying that he knows of one specific team that well, wants him. Well, let's have some yeah. fun with it. Who would who uh, do you think would want Sam Darnold? Well, I know the 49ers tried to uh, trade for him. Um, I think, you know, maybe if they move on from Garoppolo and – they want to bring him in as a backup for Trey Lance and or have him compete with Trey Lance. I don't think it'd be much of a competition, but uh, you know, maybe the 49ers, maybe the Seahawks. Uh, they need a quarterback. I, I think Drew Locke is better than Sam Darnold, but he could cut, go compete with Drew Locke. Um, but other than that, I really don't know. Uh, I think Sam Darnold is the worst starting quarterback in the NFL. And I just I don't really see a team wanting him, but but you never know. This is just, I'm just ad-libbing here. Do you, how much does Sam Darnold improve in front of the O-line they have right now? Do you think he improves? Does he maybe flip the touchdown interception ratio? So maybe 13 touchdowns instead of nine interceptions? Or do you, like, do you think Carolina, I I don't think Carolina gave him a a good enough line for him to, um, 
really be an efficient quarterback, but there's a lot that still falls on Sam. There's no doubt about it. But like it, with this this new line that they put together in France, do you think he can improve at all um, from that? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure having a better line in front of him, he would improve some. But the offensive line wasn't Sam Darnold's biggest issue. His it's Sam Darnold's biggest issue was his decision making, mm-hmm. and two of the most glaring plays that stick out to me as a Panthers fan is the interception in the, in the red zone versus the giants. That was a, just an absolutely completely terrible throw uh, yes. when the Panthers are driving to go up versus the giants. And then the opening play versus the Vikings where, where he literally had probably eight to 10 seconds to throw the ball and he threw an interception. Uh, like those are two plays where he had time behind this offensive line. Yeah. And just made absolutely terrible decisions, and I—that's what he struggled with his whole career. And yeah, that's he what gets Matt rattled. Rule, Way too yeah, easy. that's what Matt Rule and company thought that they could help Get him out of with. Them. Yeah, mm-hmm. but they can't. Sometimes it's just the way that he is, and you know you can't overcome that sometimes. So maybe he improves. Maybe he, you know, he goes from nine touchdowns to twelve, and from thirteen interceptions to ten or something. But that's yeah. not that's not a good starting quarterback by any means. And Mm -hmm. if, if Carolina wants to win, if they feel like they're a a playoff team, potentially they need a quarterback that can at least game manage and, and Sam Darnold can't. Well, I think that's a good, good place to place to leave it on Sam Darnold. They're definitely going to upgrade whether it's through the draft or in free agency, maybe after the draft. I don't think if they were going to go QB, in the free agent route or a trade, they're going to do it before they're going to show their hand. So, well, let's talk about the 30 prospect visits because um, it gives you a little bit of sense of where Carolina is trying to hone in on. And sometimes it really doesn't because there are teams who don't bring someone in and draft them. So you got to just take it for what it's, what it's worth, but I'm going to go through the list here quick. Quarterback, clearly uh, high up on their priority list. Malik Wellis, Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett was today. Matt Corral, Desmond Ritter, Bailey Zapp, Sam Howell, all visited Carolina this week. On the edge, Trayvon Walker, who's has been rising up draft boards. Amari Barno. Um, and then offensive tackle, Rashid Walker, Akeem Aquanu. Charles Cross and Evan Neal. And I think they added one more today in that list. I'm trying to find it right now um, from the folks on Twitter, but I think there was another offensive tackle that they're bringing in running backs. They're bringing in a couple, which is interesting to see Jerome Ford in Tyrion Tyrone Tyrion price. I don't know. I don't know the guy's name. Um, and then corners, they're bringing in a couple of corners to Marcus Jones and Tariq Woolen. So just again, that's not the full list. We don't have it here. I want to give us a little credit though. We were the first ones from what I saw to break the Charles cross visit. So that is happening, um, per our sources, but just looking at that list, Bryson, Anything stand out to you from that list, whether it's quarterback, edge, running backs? What what do you think of that? No, I, I don't think necessarily anything stands out. They're just doing their due, due diligence and um, just going down the list. I think, obviously, what we've been talking about all offseason, their two biggest needs is tackle and quarterback. So 
Um, they're going to bring most of those guys in, most of the top prospects. They got the sixth pick. Um, there were also reports today on Twitter that Carolina has been in contact with multiple teams about trading back. So um, bringing in those other quarterbacks that might slip to the middle to late of first round, um, I think is something that Carolina is really looking at hard right now. And, uh, you know, prior to, to hopping on this podcast, we were talking about Matt Corral and how the hype around him has kind of, you know, gotten high lately. Um, for Carolina fans, uh, Matt Corral can play football. He was a good quarterback at Ole Miss under Lane Kiffin. Um, when you complete 70% of your passes in the SEC, you're doing something right. So um, Matt Corral, obviously, he's sm- a little bit on the smaller end, has an injury history. Those are his two biggest knocks, but he has a quick release, probably one, probably the best arm in the draft, if, if, if not the best top two or three. Um, and just I think he's going to be a good quarterback. So. Um, maybe that's a guy they target in the trade down, um, or maybe that's a guy they're looking at at six. You know, I, I had caught some heat on Twitter for, for saying that I would take Matt Corral at six if I was Carolina, and that's their guy because I've always felt that if you identify a, a player that you like, um, like last season with J.C. Horn, if you identify a player that you like and he's there when you pick, you take that player. It doesn't matter if you're picking one. It doesn't matter if you're picking 32. Your number one player at that position is there, and that's who you like. You take him. I don't think that there's – what is the gap between taking a quarterback at six and taking a quarterback at 18? What is the stats-wise gap between those two for a quarterback? Like 4,500 yards and 4,000 yards passing? Like what What do you expect from quarterbacks in that kind of gap in the first round? I it Really trading back and then taking the chance of missing out on your guy – uh, the quarterback that you have identified as the number one quarterback um, of the draft and trading back and taking that chance. I, you know, if I'm Carolina, I don't want to take that chance. I don't want to have to be stuck with Sam Darnold, another veteran quarterback uh, for another season. So, uh, you know, it is what it is. Whoever they take at six is obviously going to be the guy that they have, they've identified as their top player, you know, unless he goes in the first five, which is a possibility. But um, I think that, all this talk about, oh, no, I would only be okay with taking this player if we traded back uh, in the first round, talking about quarterbacks, is is kind of ridiculous, especially just the position that Carolina's in. Obviously, trading back would be nice. We need more picks. Uh, you know, we don't we pick once in the first two days. So, it, obviously, it would be nice to, to get more picks. But trading back and, and taking that chance of missing out on your – what you've identified as a franchise quarterback, I don't know if that's a risk I'm willing to take. Yeah, I think Pete, I mean, in an ideal world, and I we both I think we both would agree with this, and you kind of just said it, but if they can trade down and get their quarterback and get extra picks, they're gonna do it. No shit. That's like the obvious, that's captain obvious. Of course we'd want that. Like that's that there's that's a no-brainer if they can get their guy, but if the guy is there and they, they don't think they can get him at 12 or 15 or 19 or whatever the case is, it doesn't pay. I think you got to pull the trigger. I don't want to get me personally. You, you had to air some grievances on Macrell. I don't want to get too much in it. I'm just giving everyone a tease. We're going to be coming out with our quarterback rankings next week, but It'll be interesting to see some of these guys are starting to shift. And I think this week, the P 
Peter Schrager was the one to drop the bomb on it. Is Matt Corral a guy to look out for for Carolina, which you haven't heard yet? You know, Matt Rule, reading the tea leaves a little bit, was front and center at Matt Corral's pro day, right behind him. So just something to – To give Schrager credit, he knows his shit. He has really good sources. In Carolina, which it's – I want to know – I really think it's David Tepper. I do. I don't know what it is. Yes. I don't know what it is, but I think his source is Tepper. I really do. I mean, it could be. I mean, Schrager rarely misses when it comes to Carolina. Like, he is on. So, uh, I I, and I like Peter Schrager in general. So do Um, I. He's, he's always good, he's always had good shit to say about Carolina. He's always yeah. always puts them on Good Morning Football, which is good to see too because they don't always get the freaking limelight. But exactly. But yeah, he's I I commend him and another guy just for fans who are curious. Uh, Josh Norris is another guy to watch. He was one of the only ones who mocked J.C. Horn to the Panthers before the draft. Yeah, so Josh is very good. He definitely has the no within Carolina, but let's get to, we, we talked about it at the beginning of the show. Let's get to the offense alignment because a lot of those guys they're bringing in. And if you look at Darren Gantz reporting, you look at Jonathan Alexander's reporting, both of them. And if you read their articles over and over, say that if, Akeem Aquanu or Evan Neal are there at six. Carolina is running that card in. Now, again, that's that's their reporting, but it seems like those two guys, if one of them is there, it's going to be very tough for them to pass on that. So let's talk about the offensive linemen because this was something, if you've listened to our episodes during the season, besides quarterback was the number one thing we bitched about every single week was <laughs> Cam Irving, Pat Elfline and the revolving door at left tackle for the Panthers that hasn't been solved. And I hate saying this because everyone keeps saying it. It hasn't been solved since Jordan Gross left, but that is the reality. So let's talk. I will start here um, with the offensive tackles. And I think if I'm going down my big board or my rankings for these guys, it's icky at one without a doubt. Like, I don't I don't think there's a doubt there for me. Uh, I, I was watching some of his games over the last couple of days. Some of the notes I put down, physical specimen. The guy, he just moves bodies. Like, the guy is ridiculous. I, I, I put down, this guy is, fu- he's like fucking IHOP. He, he is serving up pancakes left and right. Uh, seriously. Uh, his motor keeps going on plays. Like I, I was watching the game yesterday. I think it was uh, versus Southern Florida. He was run. He was running out on a screenplay to block, and he was ten yards in front of the uh, five to ten yards in front of the back, running downfield and just pancakes the guy. Like the play was over, and just like that's the kind of guy you're getting. Um, I went out. I splurged. I bought the PFF rankings for college players before this draft because I wanted to get a little bit more sense of some of the numbers. He had a 91 ranking on PFF. Take with their rankings what you will. You got to take them with a grain of salt. Um, But he was 93 run blocking, 78 pass blocking. So that is something he's got to work on. But Carolina wants to be a downhill run game. This guy fits the mold. I I don't think there's a better guy in this draft that fits the mold 
for what Ben McAdoo wants to do. Zero hits allowed last season, three sacks, 13 pressures, 10 hurries, and only four penalties. I mean, you like I mean you look at an offensive line with Icky, Christensen at guard, Bozeman at center, Corbett at right guard, and Moten at right tackle. And that line went from dog shit to perennial and overnight which is ridiculous like yeah. they that would be huge yeah yeah what do you so, what, what do you got at number one are you with me with icky i'm not <laughs> i think icky is, is a very good tackle uh oh, he, we're he, making this interesting tonight all right he's my second um but you know i i, I just have to go with evan neal he's he's been alabama's left tackle for two or three seasons now uh, going against the best talent in college football and just absolutely dominating every, every week of college football season. Um, I mean, you, you've seen the pictures of him six, seven, uh, 337 pounds. And he's like, like he doesn't look 337 pounds. He looks like a slim fit, muscular 270. Yeah. He looks skinny, man. (laughs) Regular dude. Um, I think Evan Neal is just a, a pro bowl perennial left tackle. And I think that he, that that's what he was molded to be. And I think that most consensus or most rankings I've seen have Evan Neal at one. Um, but, but Icky has gotten into a couple. Um, Evan Neal is obviously the better pass blocker. Um, but I do think Icky is, is the better run blocker. So it, it really depends on what Carolina, um, you know, values the most here. And um, if they're both available, then um, if, if it's true that they want to move to the downhill running style, then I wouldn't be surprised with, with Icky being the pick. But if they value protecting a quarterback, whoever it is, I think that they go Evan Neal. So, um, yeah, Evan Neal is one for me and Icky is two. I, I agree with everything that you said about Icky. He's, he's disgusting. Um, just embarrassed, uh, embarrassed people, you know, o- almost on a, on a game-by-game basis throwing people, picking them up and pancaking them and just absolutely nasty. And I think that he was one of the – or no, last season I think he was the highest graded run blocking left tackle by pro football focus of all time that they've ever graded. So, Icky, you said? Yeah, I, I, yeah, Icky was. So uh, I think that, you know, that says a lot. And uh, we, obviously pro football focus, take it for what you will. I say that every time, but – it's a good basis. Um, and, yeah, it's uh, some it's some sort of – it gives you some background. It's yeah, a baseline, so. and I think watching them, you get a little bit more sense of what they're all about. I had Evan Neal, too. I feel like you can flip-flop these, um, whatever you want. Just from some of the games I watched, first thing I put down was good pass, bro. Like, the guy can pass protect – or pass block. Um, good punch. He attacks the defenders. I'm going off of my Mike Wall uh, interview we did and some of the things that he was telling me about guys and what to look for. But I thought he opened up his hips at times. I think he needs to work on his uh, foot technique. He crosses his feet um, and then just work on keeping his feet wide. Again, I'm no damn expert on this stuff. I'm just what I've learned from talking with Mike Wall, who's played in the NFL and was a pro bowler and all pro. But I think Evan Neal, you I don't think you can go wrong with either guy. If they're they're at six and they would take them, what I I mean, I think it's clear if you've been listening, I think QB is the way they should go. But if they get one of these guys, 
I will, I won't be upset. Like you're getting a left tackle for the next 10 plus years that yeah. will anchor that side. And that's what they need. Yeah. Um, just going off some of the PFF stuff for Evan Neal, 85 ranking, 79 run block, 83 pass block, um, two hits allowed, one sack, 10 pressures, seven hurries, and one penalty. So pretty clean on the rankings from PFF. Um, and then that's is where it gets interesting. Things start to move around a little bit, I think, for any team out there. Um, number three, though, for me, I got to go with the guy that we, we literally learned a lot about from his coach in college, Mason Miller, and that's Charles Cross. Uh, you know, the, I think he, I think he's closer to Evan Neal and Icky more than people think, just based off of what Mason told us. And I get it. He, he was his coach, but this guy, I went back, I listened to our interview with him and I didn't know this. But at the time when he was talking with us, this guy wasn't on the Panthers. He now is through free agency, but he coached Austin Corbett, um, who hmm. was with the Rams and now is with Carolina. So that's kind of cool. Coached Andre Dillard, um, who's a really good tackle for the Eagles in the NFL. Um, but just some of the pros, and this is going off of Mason Mil from Mason Miller and stuff that I've watched too, but um, – you know, Mason said when we, we talked to him a couple of weeks back, maybe a month or two ago already, he said, Charles um, is most, what's most gifted about Charles game is he's smooth and he's playing. He doesn't get rattled, which is something you want in your left mm -hmm. tackle. He didn't, he said he wasn't as explosive as Andre Dillard, um, but he thought he was more consistent than Dillard was which I feel like is pretty high praise. And I don't, I, if, if you look across the board, I think this would probably be the consensus. Char Charles Cross is the best pass blocking left tackle in this draft. The guy has had so many reps at, I looked on PFF and he had 719 pa pass blocking snaps and 200 run blocking snaps. Not a lot. Yeah. And you look at these other guys, Evan Neal, 333 run blocking snaps, 503 pass blocking. Icky, 319, 500. So those vo both very comparable. Charles Cost, clearly that air raid offense at Mississippi State, they're throwing 60, 70 times a game running 10. Like it's mm -hmm. not a lot. But, um, and that was, that's kind of a knock on him. And I, I asked Mason that when we had him on was, you know, there are teams that might be worried about his run blocking ability. What do you say to them? And he said, um, the things he needs to work on, he said he, he, his ability to anchor at the next level. Um, he said, he's got great twitch, his he, great bend at the hips, but sometimes he's, he, uh, sinks his feet behind him, which he needs to work on. Um, but he said he he feels like he's got the ability to improve at those areas and he doesn't think it's going to be an issue for him. So just something to look out for. Uh, one thing Matt Rule loves, we know we talked about it with Miller. Uh, Charles Cross has got long arms, too, and yeah. that's something Rule really likes. That's something Miller talked about, too. Um, he said you got to have long arms, and that is a that is a widely debated thing in the NFL among 
former players, you know, other people that we've had on the show. So just something to keep in mind. I don't, again, if they, if Icky and Neil are off the board, we're just talking linemen. Now we're not discuss, we're not looking at the QBs, but if those guys are off the board and they would go with a guy like Charles cross, I wouldn't be upset either. I don't think, I think if you can get a left tackle of any one of these three, with the other guys in this Panthers offensive line, I, I, I will not complain. I will not complain for them going linemen at six. Like it's yeah. going to, it's going to pain me a little bit. It will. Cause I want them to go QB, but it's, it might be boring. It might not be sexy, but it needs to be done. So. Yeah, I, I agree. I think um, cross is, is number three for me as well. Um, you mentioned his arms. He's got 34 and a half inch arms, which is just absolutely massive. <laughs> He's got long arms. So I think Matt Rule probably gets a boner from that. Uh, and, uh, you know, just talking to Mason, like, like you had mentioned, he, he just because he doesn't, he didn't have a lot of run blocking stats, it doesn't mean he can't run block. So uh, I think yep. that the more reps, obviously, that he gets in the NFL, it's he, just more unknown. Yeah, you don't know what you're yeah. getting. And, and the more reps that he gets in the NFL, uh, obviously the better he'll get, um, you know, practice makes perfect. So um, I, I would be totally fine with cross at six as well. Uh, and prefer quarterback just like you, but uh, cross would, I feel be a good left tackle for, for Carolina for years to come. And um, I think after you get past these three though, uh, it kind of gets a little iffy and I'm good. Uh, yeah, before before we get into round. those four and five, one thing I want to note, and I put this out on our Twitter account when we interviewed Coach Miller, but I think one of the most important things he said was right at the end, and I asked him, tell tell Panther fans out there, what are they getting if, if the team drafts Charles Cross? And he said the number one attribute Cross is, is his personality and who he is as a human. He goes back to Laurel every summer and does a kids camp when he's when he was even at college. He said, if if the world had 10,000 more Charles Crosses, we'd be off in a better place. So it, it seems like an all around great guy on and off the field. Um, just a little bit more insight for those who may have not heard that interview, but just something to keep in mind, because there has been some mocks that have had cross to the Panthers and that's someone that they have been kind of trying to, it almost seemed like, again, this is just speculating, trying to sneak under the radar to maybe go at six. But again, there's a lot to happen in the next three weeks. I feel like teams right now are just starting to get that board, you know, getting the pieces into place. I don't think anything's final yet. They're still doing visits, but um, just something to keep in mind. Off of his ranking, Let's mention that the PFF ranking 86 overall. So actually he, according to PFF, he's ranked higher than Evan Neal, not by much 87 run blocking. So they ran, they with limited snaps, they have him in an 87 run blocking, which is high. If you look, that's higher than Evan Neal. And that's, that's close to icky. Um, and he's an 84 pass blocker, which is the highest among, the other two guys we have mentioned. So uh, zero hits allowed, two sacks. This is where it starts. Pressures allowed, 16. Again, they throw a lot more. Mm -hmm. Hurries, 14. And then the one thing that I'm not a big fan of, and I've, I've watched a couple of the games where this has happened, 
he's had he had nine penalties last year, which isn't ideal. Yeah. So something he's definitely going to have to clean up. Again, though, a lot more passing reps. You're not going to get an NFL team throwing 70, 80 times a game. It's not happening in the NFL. It's you never get that. But um, so that's that's the top three. So we're pretty similar. We just so far it's Bryson's got Neil, Icky, Cross, and then me and him just flipped the top two. I got Icky, Neil, and then Cross. So this is where it gets interesting. <laughs> this is where you could throw a dart at the wall and pray you hit something, right? Yeah. Yeah. I I don't really know too much about these other tackles, honestly. I know Penning is probably the consensus. Yeah, fourth, but yeah. Uh he he's got some issues of his own. Um, his tape isn't very good. Uh he's physical, but um, and he's athletic, but he just hasn't had great tape. He's played against not so great competition at Northern Iowa. Um, you know, he, I don't know if any other draft, he's a first round tackle, uh, but his you know, mentality, been, you want in a tackle, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, from that, just, his pro day was like, this guy is a, he's like, it's fucking crazy. Like, yeah. And, seriously. and this, in the senior bowl, right. He was in the, the senior, senior bowl. bowl. That's what it was. Yeah. Uh, but you know, he's, He's definitely going to need some work. I don't know if he comes in and starts right right away for Carolina, honestly, if they take him um, in a tradeback scenario or something like that. If they took Penning at six, that would just be an absolute failure of a draft. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think that he's the fourth for a reason. Uh, he, he's got some work work to do. Yeah, I don't think Penny's, Penning's on their radar. And I mean, unless this guy slips somehow, like second yeah. round or something crazy. If Carolina's doing a tradeback, I think it's for a quarterback. I don't see – I don't – or one of the top three tackles slips down. I don't see them taking Penny at like 15, but maybe, I mean, I guess maybe if they'd go QB to second round, who knows? But yeah, I think, I think Penny would, I think right now the consensus is probably him at four. Most mock drafts would put it that way. Um, the PFF rankings, again, the competition levels much different, but 97 ranking how as who has ever gotten that high is that like is that like off the charts 97 on what pff that was his ranking overall a 97 his run blocking i'm not even kidding you 99.9 his pass blocking 87 again so these these rankings i've seen rankings we've seen them during the panthers season and they've ranked some of the linemen for the Panthers higher than they should have been. And they, they played like shit during the game. So again, you got to take yeah. it with a grain of salt, but that was the rankings. He allowed four hits, one sack, 11 pressures, six hurries. This is a nut. This was another thing. 16 penalties. Like yeah, he is there. Are, there's things that he's got to work on and clean up and fundamentals and penalties is one of them. So from there, again, I don't – we're not – I mean, by no means we're some sort of offense alignment gurus here. So I don't like to get into these just throwing shit at a wall because I haven't watched a lot of these uh, – are some of these later prospects. Um, but just going off of who the, who the Panthers have brought in, clearly a guy to watch out for is Rasheed Walker. 
um, because they brought him in for a visit. And then the other guy that I didn't mention before that I wanted to, that I was missing, I think it was added today. I think he visited today, actually, um, was, if I can find it quickly here, was Abraham Lucas. Um, he saw Washington State offensive tackle. He's had 12 visits so far, and he visited the Panthers and Packers this week. So someone just to keep on your radar, uh, if you're looking for some Carolina to take someone in later rounds at an offensive lineman, those are some of the guys to look forward to. Quickly, we're not going to get specifics into this, but I just want to throw out some rankings here um, from the guards and centers. Because I when when I started watching some some stuff on some of these guys, I first watched Tyre Linderbaum when it was like January because when I first heard about him, I saw him play. I don't remember the game, but I was like, holy shit, this guy could be like the next Ryan Cleo, like really good. Like, you know, yeah. like a guy that is – solid rock solid for 10 plus years on your team and a massive piece to your line. I still think, I know he's slipped on a lot of boards. I've seen mocks where he's in the second round now and early on he was in the 10 to 15 range. Uh, A a knock I've seen is the short arms teams are concerned about that, but I really think he's going to be good. Uh, I mean, seriously, he, I, 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 he, he went against, Aiden Hutchinson a couple times during their big 10 matchup. And I think it was one or two times he held his own against him. Um, and in that game, he's running downfield, knocking guys over on a screen pass. It was insane. I mean, just diving out, taking out linebackers. Um, so if I had garden centers, I would still rank Tyler. Number one. I really do like him. Zion Johnson, Jameer, uh, Jamiri sailor. He's a guard from Georgia. Yeah, that, that that's uh, I I had him as my fifth tackle, but uh, he's he's he played tackle at Georgia, yep. but I, I guess he translates to a guard in the NFL. Um, but uh, Jameer Slayer from Georgia, yeah, he I watched him a lot just in the college football playoff this season because because Georgia won the championship, so um, he had a very good game against uh, uh, Will. Um, oh God, what's that guy's name from Alabama? He'll be like the top pick next year, but. Um, Alabama's best defensive player. Yes, Mason He's, mentioned him when we were talking. Yeah. It's Will. I know you're talking about. Um, um, but, yeah, he, he, he – I mean, Jameer Slayer put him in a cage, man. It, it was it was impressive to watch. So, I like Jameer Slayer a lot. Willie Anderson? Him. Yeah, Will Anderson. Yeah, yeah, yeah Anderson. that's the guy he was mentioning. So, uh, so yeah, I'm, I, I like Slayer at, at tackle as well as at guard. I think that he has that versatility. And so. Mason, going back to that because I put this in the notes – Mason said when Cross went against Willie Anderson, he handled himself well. So, again, like the, another guy that you meant, Willie Anderson, when, you know, guys like you can hold guys down like that, that's the, that's the shit you like to see. That That's what gets you excited about some of these guys. And then a guy I came across when I was looking looking at the mocks, and his, Luke, Luke Gatekey, he was a uh, uh, guard – Excuse me, he played right. He played, he started 24 games at right tackle for Central Michigan. And I was looking at the name. I'm like, dude, I recognize this guy. I don't know what the hell he's from. And I look back, I go into a scouting report, and this motherfucker played for my college. And I knew I recognized him. And he played for my college. For folks who don't know, I I did play by play 
for our sports to, uh, for our TV station at my college. Cause I'm, I went into broadcasting and I did a play. I did play by play for this guy when he played in 2017 and he was a tight end at my school. So shout out to UWSP uh, It's a division three school, very small, but he played tight end for one year and he was decent. Cause I remember, I remember him making catches. Cause I was like, damn, I recognize this guy's name. I don't know where from, um, but anyway, he went, he was a tight end. Then he transferred to central Michigan. He, and then he, I think he redshirted that next year. Um, he started 24 games at right tackle. Um, so another guy, he's a potential starting NFL guard from what I've seen from the scouting reports online. So something to look out for. Again, this would be, these are all, a lot of these are late round, you know, second, third, fourth, fifth round guys, but just someone to keep in mind. I think that'd be cool if Carolina drafted him just because he was a pointer, but <laughs> yeah. Did, did you mention uh did you mention Kenyon Green from Texas AM? I did not. Okay. Uh yeah, he, he's he's another good guard. Uh played left tackle and guard last season. Um uh people are you know projecting him to go late late uh first, early second round. Um he's another guy that has that flexibility, so maybe keep him on the radar. I got long arms, so uh keep him on the radar for Carolina. Yeah, um, any guy that's played multiple positions on the line. And who's got long arms is is a Matt Rule type guy. But what's what we don't know, and this is what's interesting too, is you're you're getting the the camping guys now too, the guys that camping likes the, their new old line coach, and he's put together some pretty good lines for the Green Bay Packers back in the day for Favre and Rogers. Um, he's he worked with the Texans last year, so he's got experience with Laramie Tunzel, guys like that. He's known for developing late round picks into starters. So, you know, some of these visits they're doing with some of the Rashid Walker and the guy just mentioned, Abraham Lucas, you know, if Carolina does decide to go the route of QB in the first round, look for those names to pop up because, you know, and we, we might as well talk about it while we're talking offensive line. I don't know if you picked up on this at all, but it seems like right now, and I guess there's a lot of smoke. Scott Fitterer is comfortable with where their offense line is at if it started today. I mean, he literally said that in a press conference. Again, it could be all smoke and mirrors because they want to take a tackle at six. But it seems like if they had to, they would be comfortable with Christensen at left tackle. And I, I think we, I, I, I'm comfortable with him at tackle. I thought he showed... He could he could do it at you know at the NFL level in those couple of games he played last year. So, yeah, I agree. I I think Christensen has uh, shown enough, especially improvement towards the end of the season, where you know Matt Rule has famously wouldn't play him at left tackle and then did play him. And like hey, you know he's not too bad. He he played decently. So uh, yeah, I, I think Christensen has has at least earned a, a shot to play left tackle next year. Mm-hmm. Well, let's let's end it there. Those are our rankings for the offense alignment for this draft. Again, it's it's another key piece. It's QB and offensive offensive tackle. Something Carolina needs. It's something they need to figure out and make sure they have going into this season. Let's talk about a report that Jonathan Alexander of the Charlotte Observer put out there yesterday or the day before that. Um, and basically, the gist of the article was. If Baker Mayfield or Jimmy Garoppolo become far cheaper than 
uh, their current teams have them or would like to get rid of them at, it's a possibility that, again, he said, it's a possibility the Panthers would be interested. And then I saw an article today by, I got to make sure I have this right here. I got to find it quick. Sorry. Let me, let me, it was Ellis Williams put it out today. And he talked about the possibility of Baker Mayfield and Jimmy Garoppolo and what makes sense for the Panthers. And by the end of it, basically the last sentence said Carolina would be better off and would prefer. I don't know if he said prefer, if that was the right word, but anyway, would prefer Jimmy over Baker. Um, But anyway, let's go to the Jonathan Alexander stuff. Bryson, what do you make of, you know, Carolina that they're still putting out there that there is a possibility if they don't go QB at six, they're interested in one of these veterans. <laughs> I mean, if they don't go QB at if if they don't go QB at six, you know, obviously I'd I'd want them to go after one of those guys at least. Uh, I don't want Sam Darnold playing quarterback next season. Uh, I, you know, I would just be so not looking forward to every game and I, you know, football is just a, a big part of our lives. And I, I want to be able to have hope. And um, I think that, you know, we've seen Jimmy Garoppolo and we've seen Baker Mayfield. Neither of them are, you know, elite players, but they're better than Sam Darnold. Uh, I think that's not even an argument, both of them. And uh, both of them have played at high levels before um, and they've had lows, not nearly as low as Sam Darnold, but uh, they've had lows. So, if they don't go quarterback at six, which is, you know, the choice I want them to do and you as well, but they don't go quarterback at six, then, yeah, I would totally be, be in on bringing Garoppolo or Mayfield in. Um, Bryce, really I might matter. have asked you this before. Who do you prefer out of those two if you had a choice? I think I would prefer Baker uh, over Garoppolo. I think that Baker is just – just has that attitude that that moxie if you will uh i think that he's he's shown to be a better quarterback throughout his career than garoppolo has garoppolo has just garoppolo is garoppolo he has his shortcomings we we know what he is he's a game manager and baker at his worst i think is a game manager and i think that baker can be a um i mean he, he went toe to toe, like like you've mentioned before he went toe to toe with yeah the, i keep mentioning Ma- that. i'm gonna Mahomes, mention that like, like <laughs> Baker was hurt last season, um, and and he had a bad year. But I think that you know, getting him in the right situation, maybe it helps him. But uh, but and, I, I would. And, pre- oh, go ahead. Sorry, I, I'm just saying I would prefer Baker over Garoppolo. But I think that either or really, um, it, they're both an upgrade over Darnold. And if they don't get a quarterback at six, I would be happy with either. And Ellis in that article you wrote today, and I thought this was interesting, is <clears throat> the year Baker. The, the season I Bryson was referencing and I've been referencing the past couple of weeks where he went toe to toe at Mahomes that year, Freddie kitchens was their offensive coordinator or was the coach or whatever. He was, he was calling the damn place for the Browns. And last year that changed. And there was some, I think some rift between Mayfield and Kevin Stefanski over the offensive schematics and what they were calling. And last year, obviously Baker struggled. He had the injury in week two. Um, But the season before that he played, I mean, he broke 
I think if I'm if I'm right on this, he broke the rookie record for touchdowns in a season. I think he had like it was in the high twenties or early thirties. He he had a really good season in twenty would have been twenty twenty. I think it would have been. Um, so I think if he could get back to that, I want. I mean, if if Carolina could get him, which would be the best off of waivers where they don't have to give up anything and the, the Browns have to cut him. Um, I think that would be ideal or, you know, in a trade, the Browns have to give him up and have to take some of his money along with it. Cause I think he's, he's due 18 mil, isn't he? Something around there. I think it's like 18 mil this year. Yeah. The same as Darnold. Yeah. So I wouldn't be, too upset at that if they had to do a competition between him and Darnold, which would be really ironic because they were both drafted in the same fucking draft. (laughs) So the Panthers would have the, what the number one and number three pick on their roster (laughs) from the 2018 draft. What a joke. Oh my goodness. So anyway, just something to think about. I don't want, I don't want to think about that because I really, I really do think and hope that they go quarterback in this draft and get a rookie finally. Um, But for shits and giggles, we got, we got to bring it up at least. Well, let's end on this. Let's, let's talk about Rock Hill because this sh- literally this shit is wild. It really is. Um, just to catch folks up on what is going on here. The Panthers um, press pause last month um, on the Rock Hill headquarters. They're building the, the team is building their team headquarters. There a couple practice facilities. Um, there's going to be an event center, I believe. I mean, it's basically a massive campus that was going to bring millions of dollars to the Rock Hill area in South Carolina. They put, they pressed pause on this build last month because Rock Hill failed to issue bonds for $225 million in taxpayer funding for the 240 acre development. The powers that be have since tried to come up with an alternative financing plan. And they did come up with something. They sent it to Tepper Entertainment and Sports the Panthers have not accepted this approach. Basically, Tepper is not talking at all. He hasn't said anything, which is no shocker to any of us. But um, on March 7th, the Panthers owner said that Tepper Sports had spent more than $170 million invested in the project. Um, a York County councilman believes the Panthers have permanently, permanently abandoned the project and that the team will instead seek to recover its, its expenses from Rock Hill. That is what a council member has believed. That was most recent reporting. And then I saw something today. Um, governor McMaster, the governor of South Carolina, has been in talk or recently has talked to Tepper um, and had said that basically Tepper told him that they were just pausing the project for now and and really nothing's going anywhere at this point. So it doesn't seem like everything's dead on the water yet, but it could come to that point. Bryson, I I wanted to discuss this because I feel like this is a little bit bigger deal than fans think. If it were to come to Tepper saying, screw you, Rock Hill, we're not building this thing here. So I just want to get your take on this mess. Cause that's what it is. It's a disaster. <laughs> yeah. I, um, 
it is a disaster. Uh, that's a good way to put it. Uh, I think that when a council member comes out and says that we were expecting Jerry Jones and we're getting Dan Snyder, it's pretty pretty condemning to, to say about uh, an owner, um, especially with the even most recent reports of what the Washington uh, football team, commanders, whatever the fuck their name is now, uh, had – did hiding like $50 million from players and Lee. I, I mean, I don't know how Dan Steiner's still an owner, but, uh, but calling him that, I mean, that's pretty, pretty damning. So uh, I, you know, fans want to talk about, you know, Tepper and, you know, potentially moving the team eventually. And I think that him starting the Charlotte FC and originally investing in this Rock Hill place, I, I, I don't think, that's something that Carolina fans should worry about uh, at this point in time. Um, I think Tepper has too much invested uh, right now to do that, but this situation in Rock Hill, it, it is, it is something to keep your eye on. You know, it's supposed to be this big uh, league changing practice facility that Matt rule and David Tepper have been, you know, so big on the sports science stuff and, and, and for it to stop like this, um, and it's been like six months, right. That they haven't been. It's been several on. months. I don't know the yeah. exact, but it's, it's been, you know, it months. obviously and people, they started laying people off. I saw, uh, that, that were working on it. So, you know, you got people losing jobs and, and you got po- politics really, uh, coming into play with, with the money and then Rock Hill saying that we paid it. And then Tepper saying, no, you didn't. And, uh, it's a billionaire versus, politicians and it rarely works out uh but i hope it does obviously i would love to go to the training facility and and go check it out and spend time down there and it it would be really good for carolina panthers fans but um you know sometimes it's just it's just bigger than us and and bigger than uh the nfl really so uh this is just a billionaire versus versus a city in south carolina and um tepper trying to bring two states together uh with north carolina and south carolina because they've been preaching that uh I, i think it feels like to me that they've been preaching a lot harder since Tepper took over than when Richardson was the owner, but, yeah. uh, but yeah, they, they've I been trying to, to just combine both States become one Carolina and Panthers be the team for both. But um, it, this really isn't a great look for, for that. Uh, and and yeah. you try to, you try to extend this olive branch and, and build uh, this state of the art facility and you stop it and you fire people and you're, getting called Dan Snyder by, by a council member. I, I just, it, it's not a good look for David Tepper and one of the most troublesome off seasons uh, of his ownership. So um, with him not saying anything with this situation and him not saying anything with the quarterback situation and him not saying anything about the Deshaun Watson situation for a guy that loved being in front of the camera for his first couple of years, being the owner of the Carolina Panthers, it's just not a good look. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. It's it's unfortunate for Rock Hill because if this doesn't go through, that that's a massive hit for them. Um, yeah, it's it's just not a good situation all around. I don't feel I I don't feel bad for Rock Hill. I I, I side with Tepper on this. I really think if if that was something they agreed to. Um, in the because uh, this, I mean, this took several years in the making to put together, 
And if they if they put on there that they were going to issue bonds for $225 million and they didn't put their end of the bargain up when Tepper was, I mean, the progress was being made. We've seen the pictures. The shit looked like it was coming together. If they didn't put their end of the bargain, it's their own damn fault. And Tepper's a guy you don't, from just what we've I've gathered, you don't cross him. This is a guy you don't cross. You cross him, he'll fucking, he'll do what he's doing now. He'll stop it. He'll get all the shit out. He'll, he, he'll, he'll, people don't realize $170 million to a $12 billion, $13 billion um, man, he don't give a shit about $170 million. He don't care. He'd rip that whole shit up and leave tomorrow. I think, I think McMaster is going to help try to, I think he's going to help save this project. I really do. I feel like as as the politician that he is just trying to read from his past you know things and what he what this guy is i feel like he's going to do everything in his power to make sure they don't leave um from what it seems like because he's been it's he had an interview today i think it was today or yes last night uh, and he he has been talking with tepper so i think like he, he has been trying to be the front and center point of this. You know, of course, he's a politician. That's what he's trying to do. Hey, I brought, you know, the team headquarters to South Carolina. But I think he is going to do everything in his power to make sure that they stay in Rock Hill. But it's going to get sticky. And I know it's not serious now, but it's something to look at. And I think pro football, is it pro football focus? One of the damn networks out there they reported this could be a precursor to tepper playing hardball with charlotte when he wants to build a stadium a new stadium so just something to keep on the radar again i think he's got a lot invested in charlotte and for him to move would be crazy um but just something to look forward and keep your eyes on as these weeks and months pass and hopefully it gets resolved because no one wants to see that you see the shit going on in buffalo right now the governor today saying that there are te- are there cities in New York that would gladly take and build a new stadium for the Buffalo Bills, which I'm sure Buffalo Phil- Bill fans do not want to happen. So, again, <laughs> it's, it's not something you want. You don't want to be the St. Louis, you know, the St. Louis of the NFL where you had the Rams and all of a sudden they up and leave and go to L.A. So you got to keep some of those guys happy, and I know that sucks. Um, but that's just the reality of it. <laughs> we got we got some good stuff coming up these next few weeks that I'm very excited about. Again, we're doing our QB rankings next week. The following week, we got our mock draft. We haven't done a mock draft at all yet, so I'm excited for that. The first 10 picks we'll do. That should be a good one. But we just want to thank you guys all for listening to us tonight on the Panthers on Tap podcast. You can catch all of our episodes every Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts. Go follow us on Twitter at Panthers on Tap for all, all your analysis and breaking news. And as always, 